You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hi there, and welcome to Music Tectonics, the podcast that explores where music and technology intersect and collide. I'm your host, Trister Neuer Yeager, Director of Strategy at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the Music Tech PR firm. I am excited to introduce our guest today, Tazos Fransolas. Tazos has had a heck of a career, even for music tech, which is filled with colorful career paths. He grew up above a recording studio in Athens, Greece, and started writing and producing music at the tender age of 13. He got deep into reggae and dance hall along the way, co-writing with notable figures like Horace Andy and Black Uhuru founder Michael Rose. He also has an extensive background in sound design that led to a deep understanding of how audio can transform our experience. Drawing on this, he launched a sound effect platform, SoundSnap, which counts HBO, Apple, and Pixar among its many customers. He has now turned to Beats, launching Beatopia, an artist-oriented marketplace that wants to expand Beats and sound beds beyond its core genres. Tazos, thanks so much for joining us Thank today. You, <laughs> I don't know where, where where we've arrived in this magical sort of podcast uh, virtual place, but that's where. Thanks so much for for showing up. So, tell me a bit about um, you know we we love to talk about you know how people move from one side of making music into making the things that help people make music. So, I'm curious about how you first decided to make that transition from being a creative. Um, to basically a straight-up tech entrepreneur. What what made you want to dive into that first project, that SoundSnap project? So, yeah, I was making music since I was a kid, like a lot of people. And um, as you said in, in the intro, um, thank you for that. Um, as you said in your intro, I grew up with a music studio under my house. Shout out to my cousin who, who made that when I was a... Um, young teenager and got me into music. <laughs> what kind um, of music was your cousin making? Punk rock. Oh, nice. Actually, awesome. I was actually, yeah, I was actually <laughs> b- bullied by him and his friends what? to sing the Ramones oh. when I was like eight or nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, they were high off some glue. <laughs> they were, which were, they weren't, they weren't using it, but they were, they were uh, using it to like put the to studio put the together. Styrofoam, yeah. To put the studio together. So they were all really high, and I was a little kid singing, you know, Blick Trick Bop. (laughs) Amazing. So it's pretty funny. So, you know, I I got into making music, got into making uh, dance music and and some beats, some hip-hop beats and so on. Um, I I think in Europe, people were more into dance music at the time than Mm -hmm. the majority probably in the States. Like, I think maybe, like, hip-hop was bigger here, but over there it was, like, The Prodigy and... Daft Punk and stuff like that. Yeah. So in the in the '90s, um, you know, mind you that the um, the music budgets in the music industry, as you know, were were huge, were thriving. You know, and so I, I got into all of that. And um, but by the time I had finished uh, my studies at university, um, there was not much music industry left. So um, you know, this is right at the time of Napster and all that. So you didn't have the business models you have today. Uh, and uh, music was at a, at a hard place, recorded music. So I kind of, I was looking for something else to do because it was really hard to make it as a producer. And to be completely honest, I was talented, but I could see if there were other people that were better than me. So I started looking into 
audio for video games. And I had these friends in London that were kind enough to hire me for some jobs. They were doing a lot of video games, educational video games for the BBC. Mm-hmm. And um, this little company, uh, Milo Creative, they gave me a, a chance to work with them. So that's how I got into sound effects and music for you know interactive and video, stuff like that. And, um, and then using a lot of the services at the time to get sound effects, I saw that there was a gap. And so this was the time of MySpace and YouTube was starting and everything was about community. So SoundSub started as a community where people could upload and download for free. And eventually, slowly, we got we became a paid service when we realized that people are looking for quality, had to become much more creative and so on. So I tr- kind of transitioned at the time uh, out of necessity um but also i saw there was a revolution happening with all these web2 services that's that's really cool so what was the gap i mean was it just that there weren't the right sounds or not the sounds that people really needed or was it i mean were they just that the business models were too clunky so it was too expensive for most of the people making stuff what what gap did you see that you addressed with soundstep yeah a, a lot of that i think we were we pioneered subscriptions so this was before everyone had a netflix and spotify they they were just starting out so we were an early um you know we're one of the earliest people that did subscriptions so that was a big deal because you can offer a lot more value obviously people subscribe once they can get unlimited sounds and so on so that was a big deal and then you had two kinds of websites they were either low quality or the websites were pretty bad, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we tried to we tried to fix those things and you know, we did pretty well. So now you're moving into beats and it's a really crowded space. There's quite a few beats marketplaces and other places where people can get sound packs and sort of similar um, audio products. Why why did you feel like now was the right time to attempt this? Definitely a lot of um, a lot of great companies selling beats. Um, a lot of them doing a very good job. Um, look, I mean, I was, I was, um, you know, as I told you, I grew up listening to a lot of different kinds of music, including hip hop and reggae. And more recently, up until four or five years ago, I was actually in, in Greece and I, I was visiting my parents there. And I've been interested in, in the beat space, but something, you know, something hit me suddenly. I, I was I was watching television and I saw this Greek rapper on television called Light. And I was I was curious. I was like, oh, this video is kind of cool. He's kind of like a Greek gangster rapper. Okay, imagine that. So and, it's not uh, that hard to imagine. There's some yeah. good. Uh, isn't there like a deep tradition of uh, Greek gangster music? In a way, like if you think about it, like Rimbetico or something. <laughs> you're, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. hundred percent. That's kind of bohemian slash gangster. gangster. But yeah. It, but, but you're right. It's, it's funny that you know that. Um, so look, I mean, it, I, I went to YouTube to check out this rapper and he had 10 million views on, on YouTube. And I was like, there's only 10 million people in Greece. Wow. Like something is going on here. Yeah. So, I started my 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 my, um, my brain was started running my, my my thoughts and I was thinking I was like okay if this is the biggest 
genre in Greece, and it's the biggest genre in the States, well, probably it's the biggest genre in places like, I don't know, maybe in the Czech Republic and Tunisia and, and other places. So I was thinking now, this is, this got me thinking, this was actually the moment that I was certain that this, that, you know, uh, trap and hip hop had become uh, a global movement and um, uh, dominant, culturally dominant global movement. So uh, that was, that got me um, extra excited and confident to pursue this. Um, but talking about the crowded space, yes, the space is crowded, but it seems like all of the websites today are following the same paradigm and business model. That business model is they charge the producer, which is essentially the supplier of the beats, the supply side. They charge them a monthly fee in order for them to sell their beats. So it's kind of like a Shopify model where producers set, set up a shop and they have full control. This is great for the producers because they can choose their exact pricing, they choose their licensing terms. So one, um, so beats typically cost between 30 and $50 just for the MP3. And then if you want to get the wave or the stems, the multi-track, it goes up to 150, $200 and for unlimited rights, even more. Uh, and one producer says you can do up to 5,000 streams. The other says you can't perform live and so on. So a lot of options for the producer to tailor their business model. But turns out that's not that great for the people buying because the, the licensing is a little bit of a mess, to be honest. Uh, it's not really clear. You need to read the license every time to know what you can and can't do with a beat. So it's quite confusing with people who are just starting out and it creates a lot of copyright issues. Uh, people end up uh, stepping on each other's rights and it's just really an infringing. It's really not that great. The other thing is that the existing companies uh, really are in the business of basically getting the maximum amount of producers on board. So they're in the business of getting the max amount of producers and that inherently means that there's no quality control. So you could be, you know, the biggest producer in the world, or you can have just started producing yesterday. You can upload your beats and start selling. So this creates a quality problem. And then there's a lot of other issues like all of the websites today have ads uh, and so on. So basically, we we thought, what if we flip it and instead of serving the producers, we can give a great deal to producers, but also a great deal to artists. So, uh, you know, the, the idea is to give the best the, the the best deal possible for for both sides and not extract too much value here, but uh, create more value. I don't know if that answers your Yeah, that does. No, that's a great answer. I mean, licensing is really the one of the biggest friction points. I mean, besides discovery from a from from both sides of the equation, like both producers and artists have to struggle to find or to be found. Um, but there's also the big issue of 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 licensing and how much friction that can really throw into this marketplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the music industry is traditionally, it's, it's, it's an old industry. And um, 
the the legal side of it is quite convoluted and it's it's quite complicated so what it needs to do what music needs today is more simplicity uh, you need to you need to look at what happened to a lot of other industries where um that really opened up by simplifying the licensing. And one, one good example is uh, stock photography. A lot of people make fun of stock photography because of the, you know, like- Happy like ladies eating stock. salad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh, you know, you can say a lot about cheesy stock photos, but it's really opened and created a huge industry which is now today flat doesn't depend on agencies doesn't depend on um you know uh big name photographers and anyone can really go out and uh, and shoot photos uh with you know affordable equipment so on well something similar is happening to music where you don't need the big studios anymore you don't need equipment uh, and you need you know you, you need a computer and you need the internet and you can you can create, but if you have complicated licensing, you're never really gonna be able to um, to give that offer that to the masses easily. Uh, so licensing is certainly friction. So if we can simplify it and remove that friction, I think there's going to be more people making music, more people selling music, and overall more creativity. And that's that's a great thing. So you mentioned that uh, Beatopia was kind of the, the, the inspiration from Beatopia was thinking about it more from the artist point of view versus the producer point of view. You know, what kind of artists are using beats? I mean, obviously, we, you know, people are familiar with MCs or, um, you know, rappers, however we want to refer to them. Uh, what are some other sort of places where you're or other kinds of artists, genre styles where where licensing a beat is is becoming uh, a major part of the creative process that maybe not everyone's aware of. Uh, so, okay, there's, I mean, beats are used today by anyone from that who's just starting out, but all the way to, to big artists. So um, a lot of people, a lot of noise have been, has been made about big artists today um, finding beats online, uh, often their manager, uh, and so on, uh, and there's there's a lot of success stories like Little Nas X and Six Nine and Tory Lane and so on. Uh, but uh, beats are perfect for people who are younger; they're starting out uh, and can't afford to work with a bigger producer. And that that's across all genres. So we call them beats, but in reality, it could be anything from a piano ballad to uh, a, an acoustic. Uh, R&B track uh, and so on. So, you know, obviously you have the producers on one side and you have singers and and songwriters uh, on the other um, uh, and rappers. So any, you know, anyone who's really singing can find a lot of material online today. So it, it really goes beyond um, trap and, and hip hop and, um, you know, beat just means, uh, you know, any kind of instrumental. And there's a lot of people now that are that are finding a lot of producers finding an audience online that, that do, um, you know, genres that are uh, a, a lot of pop genres and a lot of other niche genres, etc. So it, it's 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 really genre agnostic. 
Cool. So I, you know, it's really interesting sometimes to hear how people's artistic or creative lives influence how they build a business or build a product. So I'm wondering, Tazos, if there have been any moments where, you know, you took some wisdom you learned from working on a creative project or working with a collaborator um, to and sort of applied it to what some people might think of as a less creative field, which is not true, but of building a business or working with, um, you know, a development team or a design team. I'm just curious if anything, if you felt like you have any lessons you glean from your creative or artistic life that you apply in your life as an entrepreneur. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I've studied uh, art in um at the end of my at the end of uh, high school uh, and also during um during university and i think that that applies a lot to the visual identity of everything that we do um a lot of the lessons on how color is used typography and so on come directly from there i was also involved with a fashion e-commerce company for a couple of years and I worked with a lot of visual artists there, photographers, designers, and so on. And I learned a lot from, from uh, you know, the design kind of, the, the design language that transcends uh, art forms. So there's, there's a lot of rules and, and ideas you can take from other, from other forms of art. Um, and also about the creative process. But you know, doing a startup is is a lot in a way like um, like doing a band. Uh, you need to have a vision. Um, you you often have uh, some sort of deadline. Um, you're working with a lot of young and talented people, so there's a lot of um, there's there's an analogy there. Uh, but also keep in mind, we're not a regular tech business. I mean, the suppliers, let's say, the the are creatives. So the people who make the sound effects for sound stuff, the people who make the beats for Beatopia, they're creatives. The end customer is are are creatives. They're either making video, they're making beats, or they're singers. And also, we are creatives in the sense that yes, we have developers, but a lot of the work is copywriting and and design um, and user interfaces. So really, we're a creative company, creative field. So I don't think um, we're uh, so so we're not your you know we're probably not your average tech business. We're a lot more of a of, of a creative company than you would think, maybe. How do you manage a team of creative people? It's a tough um, one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you manage them? Well, you it, it, it takes uh, it takes a certain kind of chemistry. It's not a there's not one size fits all. Um, experience helps when the other when the other side is experienced and when you're experienced. Um, it's sort of like, you know, you you and you find that out pretty fast by working with them. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like playing tennis. You don't need to play a whole. Uh, you know, hold three sets to see if the other person is good. You know, you throw a couple of balls and you know instantly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so um, experience is one thing. You work with good people that you like their style already. So then if you've seen their work before, um, you kind of know, you can imagine what they're going to do. So that's the one thing. You look at where they're coming from and if 
if their style matches yours. But the other thing is just chemistry. You may work with a designer, and this has happened to us actually um, uh, twice, where initially the working rela relationship is not great because um, there's a little bit of friction um, as to how to work and what the, the direction is, um, and then it smooths out. So uh, it requires a lot of patience and a lot of attention to detail. And the idea of chemistry also applies to a band, right? So <laughs> the uh, analogy holds. So yeah. now we're getting to my favorite part of podcasts, which is talking about um, some of what audio can, can does to us and what we hope it might be able to do in the future. So you must listen to a ton of, of sounds. <laughs> I'm just like imagining yeah. the review process for sound effects. And you're just like, nope, that door slammed. Nope, ain't gonna cut it. <laughs> that must just require a, an incredible amount of a very specific kind of listening and focus. Anyway, I'm sure you get a chance to really dive deep into sounds and now in into beats because um, you know, Beatopia curates what they offer. So I'm wondering, what are you hearing out there? Are you hearing, you know, a new new trends emerge? Like, are you hearing um, an interest in new kinds of sounds, new instrumentation? You know, are people like moving away from bass, or are that is the high end changing somehow? I don't know. Any any thoughts or observations from the world, wacky world of sounds and beats? I think it's always changing. Um, Having been around for a couple of years, you end up hearing a lot of um, things coming back. So, hmm. you know, for example, drill, mm -hmm. um, you know, a, an 18 year old from, you know, Brooklyn will probably not know that drill originally comes from two step and UK garage. And they don't care, you know, but I, you know, yeah, but I kind of happen to know that. But again, no one cares. Meaning, yeah. I care, Tazos. I care. <laughs> no, no. But, but you know what I mean? Yeah. The grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, people, you know, music is, is for everyone, mm -hmm. but it flourishes with young people. So mm -hmm. uh, young people, younger people know what is, know what is cool for them um, instinctively uh, without looking at the history. So um, things are coming back. Um, drill is one example. Um, and, and there's always uh, new styles. You know, a lot of things will sound completely new. To give you an example, um, dubstep is another genre that, was, that started from the UK. Mm -hmm. But then people like Skrillex added kind of a hip hop element and made it very American. So Skrillex, you know, whether you like him or not, he, to me, he created a new sound. Um, so a lot of the times things sound, things have older influences, but they sound completely new. But to your question about the sound, there's definitely a move towards higher highs and lower lows, meaning a lot of the music you hear today is has a, a big bass, mm -hmm. a big kick, and then it's a lot of highs, hi-hats and vocals. And one one good example of this is Drake, where <laughs> who's pretty much the number one, mm -hmm. pretty much the number one, uh, number one artist, at least in, on the hip hop side of things. Um, he's definitely a lot of bass and then just vocals and simple production and hi-hats. 
So that's that's a good uh, obvious example there that shows that shift. Yeah, there's a sort of in in other realms as well. Like I'm thinking about producers like Sophie, who really set a sound for a generation of younger pop and like hyper pop or whatever you want to call it, um, folks. That you have this like minimalism and then this incredible bombastic like explosive percussion um, that is like almost industrial. Yeah, yeah. Which as a as a you know. Uh, a recovering goth, like just, I love it. But um, it's fascinating to hear how um, if you listen to older tracks, there's a lot more stuff going on sort of on the background, like the real, um, almost like you had, people felt like they had to fill in the blanks and make it feel more substantial. And now it's like just very, everything's kind of bare, but it's got more impact. It's really interesting um, to hear these shifts. Yeah, it's more it's 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 more punk rock in a way. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to yeah, right? Yeah. Where you don't need to um you don't need to know a lot of music to make uh to make great beats. And mm. and I, I'm sure that a lot of the big producers today they don't know music theory, you know, in the mm-hmm. same way that probably the Ramones didn't or Jimi Hendrix, you know. So it is. It, I. It, it, we're definitely in the middle of a, of a musical revolution, which is around, you know, which centers around obviously lower barriers of entry, mm-hmm. um, being able to create with some free software and uh, and a basic laptop, and also with you know zero cost of distribution where. You know, in the older days, you needed a record label to print your CDs or your vinyl ticket to the shops. The marginal cost of distributing a track today is zero. So um, that definitely democratized thing and things. And I'll, I'll tell you a little um, interesting story. I was reading a, a blog from uh, from Greece, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about this music producer, this hip hop music producer, which is an 18 year old kid from the island of Crete mm-hmm. that you may have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just checking. Just checking. <laughs> it's and, always good and, to check with an American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, this kid was saying how he, how he was producing uh, music with his mom's laptop mm-hmm. and these busted speakers that like computer speakers, computer type speakers. Um, and he ended up making this massive tune for for the Migos. Wow! Uh, called Straightman. That's insane. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, no one knows this kid. He's in some remote place in, in Crete. He doesn't have a budget, but you know, he probably has some talent, some heart. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, that's beautiful. You know, that's and just amazing. That story makes me think of how global everything has gotten and how. All these sounds, um, even if, you know, the young producer from Crete wasn't consciously like, I am going to put the music of my people into this track, you know, (laughs) you you do grow up in a different environment where people are, you know, you hear other sounds and other kinds of musical forms. So it's going to be really interesting in the next couple of years to hear how, you know, how how more and more Latin sounds and sounds from India and from places like Crete or... Um, Indonesia, or I don't know if the Philippines start um, slipping slipping into quote unquote mainstream uh, music more. It's going to be interesting with this sort of production revolution that you that you mentioned. Absolutely, 
absolutely. I mean, that is, sorry. Uh, no, go. To, to, to close it up, <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that on, on, uh, on one hand, you know, you have this, um, the, the, the lower barriers, uh, easier distribution and easier to create no needs for studios. You don't need labels. Uh, you have the globalized aspect, right? Where, where you, you know, the world is a lot more flat and the internet doesn't really care that much about how you look uh, or where you're from or, you know, or how old you are. Um, and on the other hand, um, you have uh, the, the ability for all these people to be their own, to become their own little business and entrepreneurs. So that's why that's what we have today that we didn't have uh, when I was coming out of university and the industry was destroyed. Um, what you have today is the business models where music producers and artists can create content and make money from it. So, you know, that's uh, selling beats, selling stock music, selling services such as mastering and mixing and uh, and being a musician online in places like SoundBetter. So, so now you can make a pretty decent living if you have talent and you put in hard work um, and you can be your own boss. And that's, that's just amazing. So that that's that leads me pretty naturally into my last question, which is one of my favorite questions, and that is, you know, here's a chance to get a little bit sci-fi, and you can share all your crazy, um, you know, futurist audio fantasies right now. Um, what do you imagine in the next five, ten years will emerge from all this all this crazy stuff that's going on with gaming and um, you know online culture and, and music getting easier and easier to make and distribute and and mess around with like what what do you imagine what what gets you excited what do you dream for the next five to ten years so I mean at a basic level without getting too much sci-fi sci for now at a basic level more people doing music means higher quality means better prices, means more people doing music, bigger libraries, and so on. Uh, I think a lot of these services are moving into subscription, which is great. It offers a lot of value. But now on a more imaginative level, <laughs> I think we're, yeah, I, I'm going to, I think we're going to see a lot more um, uh, collaboration with AI, mm -hmm. where producers and songwriters, people who write lyrics, are going to use AI not to write for them, but to collaborate with it. So I don't really think that computers are going to replace humans in the creative process. There's just too many creative decisions uh, to be made. Um, and AI is not really built for that. But it is great at collaborating with it. So there's a couple of companies doing that already. And I think that's going to be a trend that continues a lot more AI collaboration. Um, I think there's going to be more apps for music making and distribution. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why there's no specific sort of TikTok for music. Obviously, there's some music on TikTok, but it's, it's, it's not built for that. So I think there's going to be some sort of app that kind of comes in and takes that over. And I, I know Snapchat was working on something and. Um, I've the you know Facebook was trying to get into it, but there's going to be some company, whether independent or coming from these big companies, 
that will nail that, I think. And I think that's going to be great for music and for creativity. Um, I think there's going to be more, more and more producers and more artists as the, as the, the cost of producing goes down. And as the, um, as the tools become more and more available, more people make music and that's good. That's just more music is good for the world. It's, there's a lot of proof that music is, is, is great when, uh, when, when kids and teenagers play music, it's good for the brain, for attention and memory, it helps with mental health. It's good for communities, helps keep people out of trouble. So I really see a, a future with more creativity uh, and, um, and more music. And I think that's a great thing. And that you just made me imagine there being sort of an AI music making assistant at every playground. <laughs> <laughs> Get everybody, Maybe. get everybody yeah. make, making tracks together, <laughs> and going down the slides and all that fun stuff. It, it, it could happen, whether it's a virtual uh, yeah. playground or or a physical one. Oh, I want the uh, I want the IRL one. Okay. <laughs> Do you, <laughs> nothing like nothing like um getting that that sort of crescendo or the getting that beat drop from like going down the tornado slide. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, Tazos, for your, all your thoughts and insights into the world of sounds and beats and and your business and yeah thanks so much thank, thanks so much for having me too so well this is a fun episode this is dimitri with music tectonics we wanted to take a quick break and let you know that we're going to be at music biz the conference in nashville coming up on may 9th and i've got with me here shaley ankenbrick say hi Hi, everyone. This is Shaylee from uh, Music Tectonics. I'm the conference planner, and I'm so excited for Music Biz this year. And I've also got Ben with us. Say hello, Ben. Hi, everybody. I'm Ben. I'm the business development coordinator at Rock, Paper, Scissors, and I'm super excited to attend my first ever Music Biz. Yeah, so we just thought we'd let you know we're going to be there. Look us up, call us, look for the crazy pants, whatever it is. Let's set up a time to get together a hang or just find us at one of the parties or events. We'll tell you a little bit about what we're up to. I know on Tuesday night, we'll be at Tom Truitt's party, which should be a blast. It's called uh, In the Know. So if you got an invite to that, make sure to look out for us there. And we also have some partnerships with the um, Universal Music Group. They've got a, a whole series of events called The Future Is Now. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about part of it. They're sort of uh, reaching out to music tech startups in the southeastern portion of the U.S. And if you're a startup like that and you're going to be at Music Biz, you can actually apply to join a workshop series that starts May 9th there. There's a link in our uh, Music Tectonics newsletter or check out the Music Biz schedule for that. But basically, if you've ever wondered how to partner with a major label or specifically Universal music there's a whole series of programming they're offering at music biz around that and as part of that actually i'll be moderating a panel called how to activate startup talent in today's music business so that'll be on monday may 9th at 11 a.m they also have in the after the evening that day uh an opportunity for anyone regardless of whether you've applied to that series of workshop to join uh a meetup and so it's it's like a startup mixer that's monday at 4 p.m so shaley and i will be facilitating that hey Hey, Shelly, why don't you tell them about the other stuff Universal Music's doing? Yeah, so they're also doing a lot of stuff with women in music tech. They are hosting a panel called The Female Experience in Music Tech on Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. 
There's some great panelists coming from Universal, Island Records, and Spotify on that panel. And I think this is just a really amazing opportunity to bring together not just women, but all executives in this industry and dive into a lot of the systematic issues. And then this will be followed with two days of leadership events and speed speed networking events. So I think this should be a really great time. Awesome. Ben, have you had a chance to check out the program? What else is going on at Music Biz you're looking forward to? Yeah, I've been looking at it over the past week or so, and I'm super excited for the Navigating New Strategies, how A&R, artist marketing and distribution come together in the age of streaming and learning about if and when we'll be closer to an even playing field for independent artists. I'm also looking forward forward to the Adao Named Sue event um, to learn more about how artists are leveraging Web 3.0 from Renil Rumberg with Audius. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great title, Adao Named Sue. <laughs> cool. And so we'll just be around going to some panels, doing those various things. We're helping to run some of those events or parties and just looking forward to meeting folks. Yeah. Right, guys? <laughs> Should be a great time. Yep. Looking forward to it. By the way, we're also doing one of our famous seismic activity events through Music Tectonics online on May 4th. So whether you come to Nashville or not, join us on May 4th. Um, Check out the website and the newsletter so you can sign up for our next event. It's going to be a live podcast news roundup with me, Shaylee, Eleanor Rust, our marketing director, and Tristra New Year Yeager, our irregular host. She's not so irregular these days. Anyway, the point is Shaylee and Tristra and Eleanor and I are going to bring a handful of the latest articles in the music industry and talk about them like we've done on some of the podcasts. But the cool thing is, in addition to that roundup, we're going to do our famous speed networking. That's right. That's where you get matched up with someone else in the room virtually and get five minutes to just meet each other, compare notes, maybe do some business together. So check it out. May 4th, Seismic Activity. Go to musictectonics.com to find out more about that. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know? You can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for Music Tech News. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.